Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Today is the second Sunday of January, so I wonder how are all of us and all of you feeling? Are you still feeling refreshed and motivated and ready to face the challenges of 2022? Or are you already feeling the burden of life and wonder why 2022 is not over? But I think that regardless of you know, what we are feeling at this moment, at this time, may we place ourselves in the presence, whether we are gathering here on site or online. For we know that we are here to sense the presence of God, to sense God's peace, God's love for all of us. So may we prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We, we are, are lost and we are found and we are, found, and we are part, part of the family. family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are a part of the family. But we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people we don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until, until we, we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. So as we join the worship team for a time to worship, uh, those people on site, we still are not able to uh, sing on site, but uh, please do worship in whatever ways you feel comfortable with. And we also invite those people online to sing robustly at home. Let us now join the worship team for a time of worshipping together. As we gather for the very first time, after a very long time, let us allow and invite God into this space, allowing the Holy Spirit to move among us, to touch us, to speak to us in its own precious way. Gratitude. 
grateful for life, for health. Through this epidemic, you have taught us so much during the year to love differently, to appreciate, and also form new ways to connect with others. Today, we offer our hearts to you. It's all 
Come to a time of prayer. We just sang that it's all the heart of worship, it's all about Jesus. So today I would like to invite you to a meditative prayer. This past Thursday was Epiphany, and in the church calendar, it is the day where the Magi arrives with the gifts for Jesus, arrives to worship him. 
following the star that guided them and bring the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And so as we pray, I want to invite you to meditate, reflect and prayerfully think. What gifts do you bring? The Magi brought gold. But gold isn't just about money. It's about what is precious to us. And while it is not just about money, it can be money. We give financially to the church, to other organisations, to people in need, as we lift out our call to share what we have with others, to support the work of love, mercy, justice and peace in the world. Gold can also represent our time and energy, volunteering, serving. It could be our skills and talents, things that we are blessed with. What is precious to you? How do you use your money? To collect more things? To buy security? To obtain power and popularity? Or do you use them to build the kingdom of God? How do you use your skills and talents to promote yourself or to put them in service of others? How do you use your time? Do you invest your time in something that will build up the kingdom? Or do you waste it? The Magi brought frankincense. Frankincense is used in prayer. What kind of prayer do we bring to God? Are we always asking for things? Asking for things that we want? Our desires? Are we only talking to God only when we are in need, in desperation? Do we ask what God wants of us? What God desires of us? What is God saying to you? What does God want of you? Do we give thanks? Do we give thanks for prayers that are answered? And do we give thanks for prayers that are unanswered? Because sometimes unanswered prayers are a gift from God. Sometimes God answers our prayers in ways that we do not expect. We're surprised. And it turns out better than what we have asked for. 
sometimes the things that we ask for may not be good for us and we don't realize. And sometimes when we pray, are we in awe of God's amazing work around us? In nature, in creation, in the beauty that's all around us, if we only care to open our eyes. And then, the Magi brought myrrh. Something that's used to embalm, used in funerals. It reminds us of our limited time in our lives. How short and transient everything is. Do you realize how short our, your time is? And when you see that in that perspective, do the small things matter anymore? What are the small things that are holding you back in your life? What are the small burdens that you carry that when you look at it from a larger perspective, that life is too short to hold on to grudges, resentments, will you be able to let go? Will you be able to forgive? Jesus said, there's no greater love than this, than laying down one's life for one's friends. The myrrh reminds us that there may be times we're asked to lay down our lives, perhaps not exactly to die, but to die to ourselves, die to our selfishness, and give of ourselves to others. Are there situations in your life you're called to give of yourself? Are you prepared? Are you willing? God, we come to worship. We come to worship you. And oftentimes we cannot imagine what we can bring that's worthy to worship you. But what you require of us is us. We bring ourselves to worship you. And we are worthy. We are worthy to love you, to worship you with our gifts of what we find precious to us. Whether it is our money, our time, our energy, our resources, our gifts, our skills, our talents, whether it is our lives, they are all worthy to be placed on the altar to worship you. But you desire this not for you, you desire this so that we can love one another 
just as you have loved us. So God, as we pray, may we be able to hear your voice prompting us to see things in perspective so that we can love you and our neighbours as ourselves. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rewrite your story of love for me I would not forget those moments of doubts If I could rewrite your story of love for me I would not erase those times of struggle Those moments of doubting myself and blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestle myself And you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn when you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope for you Write your story of love for me I would not forget those moments of doubt If I could rewrite your story of love for me I would not erase those times of struggle Those moments of doubting myself and blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestle myself And blame you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn when you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope for you When you touched me on my side When my eyes were open to you 
And so I saw that I was born free When you touched me on my side When my eyes were open to you And so I saw that I was born free Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you I will remember I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope for you, for you, for you, only you, for Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. And we have been using Menti as an engagement tool for our sermons for quite a while. I hope it has been helpful for you to reflect and think about how each sermon intersects with your life and your relationship with God. As always, it is an invitation because here at FCC, we encourage, we invite, but we never coerce. And today's sermon, uh, the Menti code is 83866042. So you can go on to menti.com to enter the code or you can scan the QR code to join us. I think that that's um, the invitational approach that we have is how we see Jesus ministering to those around him. Always inviting, you know, come and see, but never coercive. Will you join me in prayer as we open? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God of all creation, God who is love. We continue today with our sermon series, Home is the Way. And we start off by thinking about being away from home. So I want to ask the question, um, why are we away from home? We may be away from home sometimes because circumstances force us to. Sometimes we choose to be away from home. And for a long while, many of you have not been able to go home and be with your families. Some of you are stuck with borders closed, and it's only in recent months that folks were able to travel and go home. We continue to pray for the pandemic to end, and we lift up all the people who are separated from their loved ones so that we all can be reunited with the people we miss dearly. 
Some of you may be far away from home because there has been conflicts or breakdown in relationships. While you can go home, the way home may not be easy. We also want to pray for healing and reconciliation so that there will be shalom, wholeness in all the homes that we come from. Being away from home is an experience common across cultures, even cultures that are from thousands of years ago. I want to invite you to think about the stories in the Bible. What are the stories where people had to leave home and why did they leave home? Can you think about some of them? There are some that are very obvious and maybe some that are not so obvious that you have to um, think a little harder about. But I want to invite you to think, what are the stories that you're familiar with that straight away comes to your mind um, when people had to leave home? Joseph? The prodigal son who left to party? Moses who left Egypt? Well, Egypt may not necessarily be home in some ways. The famine had to go to Moab. Well, very good. Um, Jacob? I'll talk about that um, in a while. Many of you answered. Wait, which Joseph are you talking about? It applies to both, right? The Magi who left home to worship Christ. Abraham? Ruth? Okay. Um, oh, Jacob and Esau. When Jacob stole the birthright from Esau, right? And then afraid of being killed by his brother, he left. He escaped. The prodigal son again. And then they were, they were escaped. The holy family was escaping because Harold was killing off all the um, infants who were under two. People unable to be themselves. Well, not, maybe not in the story in the Bibles, but there are people who leave home. The disciples who left to follow Jesus. Joseph, Mary and Jesus, yes. Fleeing from war. John the Baptist going into the wilderness. Um, the Israelites, right, being forced to go to Babylon when they were conquered. Thank you for all your different uh, contributions, the stories. There are those who are far away from home, forced to leave home because of environmental disasters. Noah and his family, right? Um, because the flood was coming and they had to get on the ark. They had to leave everything behind and the world was changed after the flood, right? Lot and his family escaping from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Naomi and her family who moved to Moab because there was a famine in Judah. For others, it was to flee from violence, war, persecution and political upheavals. Of course, the most obvious one this season is of Epiphany is the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, right? Because this season, this is time after Jesus' birth and we read of the massacre of the innocents by King Harold, killing any male child under two and hearing that a child will be a threat to its rule. The Holy Family were refugees, like many refugees who flee from genocide, ethnic cleansing, foreign occupation. Let us remember, just because we are Christians doesn't mean that we do not succumb 
to influences that cause us to persecute and oppress others. History is full of examples where we have failed. Today, many Christians imagine ourselves to be victims of oppression at the slightest of criticisms or insults. And I think that we have to be less thin-skinned. We need to remember to turn the other cheek. And we need to recognize history, our history, that Christians did participate in horrific persecutions of people. It isn't too far, you know, World War II wasn't too far away. We need to also see that these things are still happening today. And it's important that we ask ourselves how to love our neighbours so that we are following Jesus' teachings and aligned with God's will. In these situations where people are forced to leave their home, how do we help these people find their way home? It isn't about sending them back for sure. They, they may not have a home to return to anymore. We are called to be welcoming, to create a safe space, a place of refuge for them. And that is what loving our neighbours mean. While in Singapore we may not accept refugees, we know many people who are far away from home, migrant workers, domestic workers in our midst. We should treat them no different from our friends who are from overseas who work here. A member of FCC shared with me a few months ago when he drove to one of the dormitories, he was picking up a grab passenger. This passenger was a migrant worker who was sent to stay in a hotel instead of the dormitory he was living in because this migrant worker was critical to the current project and the employer decided to put him in the hotel so that he wouldn't get infected. He was shocked to see the dormitory very crowded. How dangerous it was because all of them were in, in such close contact. And this was after the wave of COVID infections in 2020 in the dormitories. How can this still be happening? This is a reality, right? In June 2020, um, there were changes made for the safety, health and well-being of migrant workers for the dormitories, right? These are regulations. So before COVID, um, the regulation states that you need to have per person four and a half square meters, including shared facilities. There's no limit to the number of people in a room, and there are no restrictions to what kind of bed that, that beds that were allowed. In June 2020, this was changed, right, for the well-being uh, and the safety of um, the migrant workers because they are in such close contact. It's just um, a petri dish for COVID and any um, disease to spread, right? They are living so close together. So in June 2020, um, the regulations state that each, you know, there must be a minimum of six square meters per person, excluding shared facilities. So you cannot count the corridor or the, or the recreation area as part of that. And each room can have only a maximum of 10 uh, persons staying in one room, and there are only single deck beds are allowed. That's good, right? But in September 2021, new regulations were introduced for, as improvements. But are they really in, improvements? Compare. Now, 
in September 2021, the floor area per occupant is reduced to 4.2 meters, square meters per person. The occupancy per room is increased to 12. And now, double-deck beds are allowed. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that this is certainly not an improvement. And I think that we cannot turn a blind eye to this. Compassion and justice requires us to speak on behalf of the voiceless. And knowing how contagious COVID-19 is, this is not over, right? You know, now we have uh, Omicron and I don't know what might happen next. I cannot imagine how these improvements will improve the well-being of migrant workers who are staying in the dormitories. There are many, many instructions of how to treat foreigners, aliens, strangers, migrants in our midst in the Bible. It is not something peripheral, but very central to how we understand the commandment to love our neighbour and to love each other as how Jesus loved us. And I don't usually do this like grabbing you know, uh, biblical text and throwing out at you, but I think this is, this is, this is to give you the, the, the idea that this is not peripheral. So, you know, from Deuteronomy, you shall love the stranger for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And further down in chapter 24, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he be of your brothers or your foreigners who are in your land within your gates. Do not deprive the alien or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this from Deuteronomy chapter 24. Then from Leviticus, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. From Exodus, do not mistreat an alien or oppress him, for you were aliens in Egypt. And further, another, further, another chapter down, you shall not oppress an alien, for you know the heart of an alien, seeing you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I know the language is a bit archaic, huh? calling foreigners aliens, but that's the language that we have from the text, right? But this is all about migrants. This applies to migrant workers as well. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien or the poor and do not devise evil in, the hearts, in your hearts against one another. From the prophet Zechariah. And this is a bit more um, tough, right? Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. And from the prophet Jeremiah, For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly one with another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. This is just a few. So many verses talking about how we treat migrants in our midst, people who are not the same as us, not like us. 
It is re, it's regardless of their status, regardless whether they are on employment pass or whatever pass it is. We are called to treat them with dignity and love. Not put them in places that look more like concentration camps or prisons. And I think that we need to pay attention to that. There will always be those who are far from home. And the way, Jesus' way, is to help them find home away from home. This year, we will be engaging in more projects with the migrant worker community. And I hope that we can participate as how we do justice and love mercy. So we are not just talking the talk, but walking the talk. Then, we move on to another group of people who are away from home. Those who have been kicked out of home. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, right? Because they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Cain was cursed with a restless wanderer without a home for the murder of his brother Abel. Jacob had to flee and seek refuge with his uncle Laban after he tricked his father to give him the blessing that is meant for his brother Esau. Some folks were kicked out. Some left home because they did something wrong. The reality is that none of us are saints and we have done wrong one time or another and will do wrong in future. And that may be why we are away from home. Are you away from home? I want to ask you, what needs to happen before we want to go home? Do you want to go home? It's not easy to be kicked out. Forgiveness. And this forgiveness is not just the person that we have wronged. We also need for, to forgive ourselves. I wonder how many of you have experienced this, that someone, you know, years later, months later, I don't know, sometime later, came back to you and apologized and asked forgiveness for something that you have long forgotten about. Like, did that even happen? Hmm. But this person has been carrying that all the while. And it took a long time before this person come to the point where they are able to speak to you and ask for forgiveness. How did that feel? Have you been on the other side as well? Have you been the one carrying that burden and needing to seek forgiveness but not, not able to? So what needs to happen? The biggest, of course, is forgiveness, reconciliation, letting go, finding purpose, courage, suffering, Forgiving oneself, change of environment, repentance, apologies, empathy, changed mindset, love, pride, hmm, maybe setting aside our pride before we want to go home, agape, wow, maturity, 
understanding. Clean house, yes. Sometimes you may not want to go home because home is not the safe space. Maybe home needs to become safe for you to return. For some of us who identify as LGBTQ, we might not be able to step back into church, whichever church it is. Even, you know, stepping back into FCC is a challenge because you've been hurt by the church you came from before. And it's only when you're able to sense that this can be a safe space for you that you can come home. Ran out of money. Wow, that's... How come ran out of money is such a big one? Huh? Maybe I turned on the ability for you to, to, to keep typing that. Someone has been typing ran out of money, ran out of money. Well, ran out of money applied to the, the lost child, right? In the parable of the lost child, or the prodigal child, in the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 15, this is what happened. He ran out of money. He came to himself when he had spent everything. Right? And a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. He only came to himself when he was desperate. For some people, maybe it's only when they hit rock bottom that they're able to come to the realization that they've done something wrong. But when he came to himself, he said, and this is what he said to himself, right? How many on my father's hands hmm. Oops, sorry. That's how many of my father's hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. He came to the realization he was desperate. And then let's take a look at Adam and Eve and Cain. Adam and Eve and Cain did not express the desire to return home. Maybe they figured out that they won't be accepted home. Of course, this is just uh, us guessing, right? Because it's not written there why they did not want to go home. But let us explore this a little bit more. Have you ever thought about why Adam and Eve or Cain expressed the desire to return home? Before you think, right, maybe let's go and dive into the text and reflect. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to, to, gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me and I ate. Sit with this for a while. The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate. 
let's look at Cain. Right? After he killed Abel, the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, when you work the ground, oops, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer on earth and whoever finds me will kill me. What do you see here? None of them held themselves accountable. Adam didn't. He blamed Eve. And if you look carefully, he even in a way blamed God. The woman you gave to me to be with gave me, gave me the, the fruit to eat. Your fault. Because you, you sent the woman to me. And then she gave me the fruit. It's not, it's not holding oneself accountable for one's actions. It's blaming someone else. Have we done that sometimes in our lives? We sang just now in our worship song, right? We blame God for all our brokenness. We sometimes do that. We don't hold ourselves accountable. We don't become responsible for our own issues and things that we need to work on. And then we, let's look at Eve, right? Eve blamed the serpent. None of them held themselves accountable. Yes, they may have been deceived, Yes, they've been wrong, but they did what they did. They had a part in it as well. Cain, on the other hand, denied and even feigned ignorance. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And though at the end he accepts punishment, it appears that it's because he was caught red-handed, not because he was remorseful, what did he say at the end? He said, you know, whoever finds, I'll be a restless wanderer on the earth, homeless, and whoever finds me will kill me. He wasn't trying to be accountable for his wrongdoing. He was afraid for what's going to happen next. That isn't the way home. That way we'll always be wandering. That way we'll always not be ready to go home. That is not the way. I want to read from, to you from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. I've grown 
to see Psalm 51 very differently over the years, I used to think, what kind of person is this David? Against God and God only that he has sinned? What about Uriah who he sent to battle to be killed? He's a murderer. What about Bathsheba who he forced, right, to, get, to bring her to the palace and forced himself on her and got her pregnant, committed adultery? But I've grown to see it differently. I've grown to realise all wrongdoing, all the harm and the hurt that we have done to other people is wrongdoing against God. And our asking for forgiveness from God should lead us to asking for forgiveness from those who have hurt, harmed or wronged. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. David acknowledged his wrongdoing. He held himself accountable. Just like in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. That is part of that journey home. And I do hope that we do reflect on what these trespasses and sins are and not just pray as though it's a blank check and ask for, for God to forgive us without even knowing what we did wrong. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, don't just go through the words saying, God, forgive me my sins. Because that's not being accountable. We need to recognize which sin, what we have done wrong, what wrong we have done. In the psalm, I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Perhaps David has it right in front of him. Bathsheba is always in front of him, reminding of what he has done wrong. Even his children, right, his sons, are a reminder of what he's done wrong. The one who died and the one who succeeded him. So when we ask for forgiveness, when we pray, don't just use it as a blank check. Reflect where we might have gone wrong so we might find our way home. It may not be easy to reflect on our wrongdoing and our mistakes because a lot of times we feel ashamed. Ashamed of what we have done. But we need to differentiate between shame and guilt. We've talked about this before, especially from the work of Bernay Brown. Shame is about feeling terrible about who we are, of the very essence of being. Guilt is a feeling terrible about what we did, what we have done wrong. Two different things. I feel bad because I did something wrong rather than I feel bad because I am bad. It is important for us to see the difference because sometimes we are so ashamed of ourselves that we cannot bring ourselves to go home. Shame becomes our identity. And we become shameful and we hide, just like how Adam and Eve hid from God. 
because of shame, we hide, we lie, we conceal our wrongdoing, we pretend everything's okay. Cain lied. You know, denied, you know. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? But what we do when we are doing this is we will, be, we will start being eaten from the inside because of this shame. We are unable to be authentic. We keep running away. And we don't even consider the possibility of going home. We cannot be ignorant or not hold ourselves accountable like Cain either and say, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Instead, we should have a contrite heart because that's what God will not despise. Our identity shouldn't be shame because our identity is God's beloved. I really appreciate how we do things in FCC. And I really appreciate one, one of the leaders of FCC shared with me when um, I was thinking through this sermon series. And I think hearing the words from others, though I'm reading it out, will be helpful. Because it's not the way I phrased it, but when you know, she emailed me, I went like, wow, this, I need to share this in the sermon. We are worthy of worth to God. We are forgiven, so we have nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, because God loves us unconditionally, and that God teaches us to love others as well. God takes delight in us, and God protects and covers us, so there's no need to respond out of defense. We can find shed, shelter in the shadow of God's wings. God has our back. God knows our darkness, our wounds, our fears, our shame. God has forgiven us for who we are and what we have done. We are reconciled with God despite our past. We have the power within us to remove the shame and guilt we have grown up with and allow God to heal us the recognition that God has done and can do so much more for us helps us to heal and know who we are and how we express ourselves. That is the gospel, the good news. You are loved beyond imagination. This is reflected in the parable of the lost son and the prodigal. Because, let me read it to you, because this is the the, a very core narrative parable for us. But while he was far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his son. No, the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a rope, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the feathered calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. 
Do you realize what has happened? What was going on in the mind of the son when he said, I'm going to go home? I'm going to ask my father for forgiveness. Now, just be like one of the servants, one of the slaves. But that wasn't what the outcome was. The father saw him from afar and ran and hugged and kissed the child. The parent here still loves the child, regardless of what the child has done, before the child even said anything. Before even the admission of guilt, admission of wrongdoing, the, the asking forgiveness, the parent already ran out, filled with compassion. God will not turn away. The song that we sang, the worship song, is one of my favourites because it really resonates with me, you know. Especially the lines, um, you will not turn away. Remembering when God became real to me, when God will not turn away. God ran out and held us, embraced us, loved us, even before we realise it even before we ask for forgiveness, even before we try to make amends or we hold ourselves accountable. Then, what happened next was the restoration. Break the best robe and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He was restored as the child of the parent. He was not less than. He was not treated any differently the best role. And then there was celebration. That's how coming home should feel like. And how do we find our way home when we did something wrong? When you have done something wrong, how will you find your way home? What words come to your mind straight away? Make amends, apologize. Restoration. I know it's difficult Right, because it, this sermon moves you into that space maybe to confront yourself and have a hard look in the mirror in some ways and some uncomfortable feelings may arise I want to say that all of that is okay you are safe here. God will always love you. No matter how, what you may think yourself. And even if you have not forgiven yourself, God has forgiven you. So finding our way home, forgiveness, prayer, be real with God, go to God first, admit I was wrong, repentance, be humble, reflect, reconnect, letting go, 
start walking towards home. Sometimes it's just taking the first step is most difficult, right? I might need to sin again. No, I don't think that's the way to find your way home. <laughs> Not all answers are right answers. Huh? Some of you are very naughty. But you're forgiven. Thank you. Thank you for reflecting. I think two words come to my mind how we can find our way home. And that's repentance and accountability. And what does... And they are very... They are connected to one another, right? Repentance is a form of accountability. It's recognizing that we have done wrong. And what, how does that look like? I think that you might have some ideas right now because it's found in all the stories that we've shared so far. In Psalm 51, in the, story, the parable of the prodigal. It's first of all, know our transgressions. Know what we have done wrong. Know how we have sinned. Then have a contrite heart. We know that we have done something wrong. And, and yes, contrite heart means that you feel guilty. But that doesn't mean that you feel ashamed. Guilty means that you recognize, you feel remorseful for what you have done. Then admit our mistakes and make amends and seek forgiveness. Repentance is being able to turn around when we went down, went down the wrong path. Jamie, will you move up the, the script? Repentance is being able to reflect that we have gone down the wrong path. Are there things that you need to seek forgiveness and repent of? Are there things that you need to seek forgiveness and repent of? It may not be an easy thing to write it out and to lay your hearts open. And that's okay. You don't have to type it out there for everyone to see. But I invite you to prayerfully have a conversation with God. And almost, and if you would like to do that, you can go home or spend some quiet time reading Psalm 51. Know that your transgressions are before you. And know that God accepts your broken spirit. Your sense that your grief that you have wronged people and you have wronged God. Things that you need to be to seek forgiveness and repent of, shooting your mouth off, being rude to certain people, apathy, selfishness, fearfulness, not always trusting God to be there, indifference, being too critical, ignorance. Regretfully attempted multiple times to deny God's goodness in the world, not loving myself in the way that God really loves me, complain about people at work, criticize or discriminate people and realizing that it's wrong. It's not easy. 
And it is not something that will happen just overnight. It is a journey that we need to practice. Practice repentance. Practice forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves. Forgiving others. Practice love. After this season of Epiphany is a season of Lent. And we are working on programs for reflection. And I want to invite you to consider joining one of these that will deal with repentance, seeking forgiveness, and making amends. We'll try and create a safe space for us to journey into that so that we can be vulnerable and unpack all that we are carrying so that we can hold ourselves accountable and move towards healing so we no longer have to hide or pretend that everything's okay and we can begin the work of making amends for restoration, for building bridges again and coming home. As a home at FCC, we want to practice things differently as well. We want to avoid using shame as a means of disciplining because it is not loving. Using shame to get people to do things can be very, very effective. The church has been doing this for a very long time. Using shame and guilt. It is still being done. But it is spiritual abuse. It harms one's sense of self-worth. It makes us feel less than worthy. It makes us unworthy. It is the exact opposite of the idea that we are beloved of God. That we are all worthy and of worth to God. So, we do not want to be shaming, but we still want to hold one another accountable. And sometimes that, that doesn't come out in the, the... We might not be able to do this well. Sometimes we unconsciously behave in ways that are shaming. For example, if someone forgot to turn off the air conditioning, which happens quite frequently, we will message the whole group the leaders group, right? And then you go like, someone never turned off the air conditioning. <laughs> but those of us who know, right, we know exactly who was the last who used the, the, the space. Perhaps it is to talk to that one person, that one leader, and, hey, your group, did you, did you guys forget to switch off the air conditioning that day? Rather than shaming. But we don't realise it's shaming. We don't. Because it's not that explicit, right? But it is a journey for us to learn together. And I have also made that mistake too. When I ask something in the whole group about a certain issue which I should have approached one single person, that person who was the one who, who did it. And I'm still learning. And I think we all are. And I hope that through this, we grow. We grow. We are not the perfect community, but we will grow towards that. We are an imperfect community made, by, made up of imperfect people. So we continuously need to seek forgiveness and also to offer forgiveness. We want to be able to give people the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, 
Because we are called to forgive each other 17 times 7 times. Who's keeping count? This is how Jesus loves. And we are to love each other as how Jesus loved us. Because this is how home is the way. Amen. We gather here each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's fist transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria, you do not have to be a member of FCC, and you do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. God of, God of mercy, mercy and justice, be with us. We lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love, because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy. Of how, of how you, you gave, gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice. Of how, of how you, you gave freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they, when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like the, like prophets, the prophets who cried out to care for widows, orphans and foreigners, and those who provided food, shelter and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts, but as gifts that we are to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In, in mercy, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him, he protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There he took bread gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. And after they ate, he took the cup, 
gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilled blood every time they drank wine. But that wasn't all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. And so we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread and juice, that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. Uh, may I now invite the uh, stewards to come and distribute the elements? Uh, for those who are joining us at home for the Holy Communion, this is a good time now to prepare your elements. Uh, please hold on to your elements. We will partake them together.
Let us now partake the elements with gratefulness. For those who are able and willing, please rise. And together, God, God through, through this meal, we pray, pray that, that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example, and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. May be seated. Thank you. Good morning, church. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. Indeed, welcome home. So let me introduce myself since this is the first time in 2022 I'm up here. I'm Jamie, I'm your service leader for the day. As we go through this sermon series of Home is the Way, I keep on trying to think to myself, frame in my head, what is home to you? I think to each of us, home is as normally uh, interpreted as how we grow up. Some of our homes may be loving, some of our homes may be filled with lots of violence and quarrels. Some of our homes may be spacious, where some of us might live in very, very tiny homes, where, you know, each of our space is like so precious. So when we say welcome home to FCC, what is your image and idea of a home? I think if you ask 100 people, 100 people will have all different ideas. So how do we create the ideal home? the ideal FCC for each of us. I'd like to say that the answer is not possible. I mean, it's impossible, seriously. But all I know is that, you know, home cannot be a temporary space. It cannot be a shelter where you come running back to when you are beaten outside and you are like hungry and you ran out of money and come back home and say that, oh, FCC will take care of me. Because one day, if everybody has this kind of thoughts and this kind of ideas, one day FCC will crumble. But home indeed is a place where all of us gather and when we need help, when we need support, home is here. But when others need help and others need support, we are here to give it to them too. So seriously, I mean, I'd like to say welcome home, but indeed home it's a home for all seasons, not just a home for one season only. So as we reflect on this sermon series of Home is Away, and as we look forward to 2022, where we are just in the first month only, I think we really need to consider ourselves, how do we want to make FCC the home that is welcoming to everyone? So let us do, uh, think about that. So indeed, uh, before we talk about home, after we talk about home, <laughs> next, uh, we'd like to 
welcome the newcomers to this church. I think whether you are here with us on site or online for the first time or the first few times, indeed, welcome home. If you'd like to keep in touch with us or you'd like our pastoral staff to reach out to you, uh, please fill up your details at fcc.last welcome and then someone will uh, reach out to you. There's actually a newcomers meeting every month. So for this month, the newcomers meeting will be on the 23rd of January after service, uh, not on the last Sunday because Chinese New Year is coming already. So on the 23rd of January, we'll have a newcomers meeting for you to find out what does FCC stand for, who are the leaders in FCC, uh, what, what is our theology and what, you know, why, why, why is there a need for FCC to exist in Singapore or you can go out and find some other churches also. So if you are interested to know more about us, uh, please email info at freecomchurch.org. And as mentioned, since a lot of people say that they run back to home when there's no money, so we do know that money is actually quite important uh, to sustain and to keep the home uh, and to keep the church running. So we have come to the giving segment of the service. Uh, there are actually two ways for you that you might give. Uh, one is by pay now. There are two pay now codes up on the screen. One is for the FCC General Fund, which is for the upcoming, upkeeping of all these uh, facilities, renewing of the uh, equipments, paying of the salaries, etc. And one is for the FCC Building Fund, which is uh, for paying off the mortgage and also for planning the future uh, buildings or projects that FCC has to embark uh, when we run out uh, of the lease of this place. You may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, please note that giving by credit card only gives to the general fund and uh, there's an administrative fee charged by the platform. So for those on the site, if you'd like to give by cash or drop something into the collection bags, uh, please just raise your hands and then the stewards will go to you. Stewards, can you please come forward and take the collection bags? Thank you. Let us now pray and give thanks for the offering. God, indeed, we thank you that you are our home. That no matter physically where we are, no matter emotionally or psychologically what our states of mind are, we know that if we are anchored in you, you are our home. And from you, we experience your love. In this two to, and even the third year of the COVID pandemic, We know that there are many people out there that have suffered. Whether is it loss of income, whether is it not being able to connect with people, whether is it Zoom fatigue. And as the church God, we want to spread your love around. That as we experience your love, we want others to experience love, your love too. God, as we 
give thanks for all that you have given to us. May we translate this gratitude of ours into actions, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, in whatever support that we can give to others in need. For indeed, this is what you call us to be, to be a loving community, to be a home, for those that need to find a space, safe space and to know that they are all beloved children of yours. We lift up all things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Now is the announcement segment. So our very first announcement is that Fikers Karika is actually having an open house today after Sunday service. So if you have missed this announcement yes, uh, last Sunday or like you know, you are just here today and you've seen this for the very first time. You may contact Chon Lip or Lexi on Telegram or send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. So today, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m., Ficus Karika is having an open house, no strings attached. This is for you to actually find out like what a cell group actually is all about. But of course, there are like different cell groups, so this is the very, very first uh, open house for the year. So please uh, stay back and join Ficus for their open house. Uh, volunteers are still needed, so if you are interested to find out more about production ministry, we are actually currently recruiting volunteers for visual design and video editing. So this doesn't mean that you need to be in this field or you need to have skills in these two areas, but as long as you are interested, you can actually send an email to gary.chan at freecomchurch.org and then he will actually uh, reach out to you and also uh, help you know more about what these two ministries actually represents uh, and what these two ministries do. Uh, before we end, I mean, we also like to give a shout-out to the other volunteers in church. For example, in this case, we would like to give a shout-out to the cell group Emmaus. They have actually put up the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations, which has been taken down. They have also taken it down. So we would like to thank the cell group Emmaus for all their hard work in putting up beautiful Christmas decorations and helping to take it down, especially towards... Yang, no, Yongfei, Sean and Jay, who actually also came yesterday and helped to put up that gigantic TV in the middle of the, of the studio so that people can uh, see properly. So let's give a round of applause to them and to all the volunteers for the past year and to all the volunteers of the coming year to, uh, upcoming year. So we hope to see more people volunteer for us uh, to make our Sunday service a very smooth and uh, effective one. Now we'll just invite Myak for Pastor Myak for the benediction. May I, may I invite you to rise as you're willing and able for the benediction? Dear beloved, you are worthy and of worth to God. Know that always, so that when you step out into the world, you carry that light and that love with you so that you can do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God all the days of your life. Go in peace now and always. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next week as we continue our sermon series. <laughs>